Welcome to the Trusted Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Iroquois Group. Iroquois is your trusted advisor in all things insurance. I'm Edwin K. Morris. Lauren Shanklin began her Haggerty career in 2012 as a licensed sales agent in Traverse City, Michigan. Soon after, she took on the role of Regional Manager of Southern California. Lauren worked for seven years supporting and educating both brokers and enthusiasts in her territory. And just recently, Lauren has excelled as one of Haggerty's commercial specialists, working with high net worth collectors to protect their favorite vehicles. Haggerty Insurance. What is their deal? Haggerty Insurance, why should you care? Well, I mean, Haggerty, as one of Iroquois' preferred carrier partners, offers some very special coverage that not going to be available from some of the other carriers that you work with. And we are the industry leader and expert in this space with collector vehicles. So no one's going to know how to better protect these vehicles and your insureds who are enthusiasts than Haggerty. Maybe a, a Greyhound bus is a collector item. Uh, what What's not a collectible? You know what? The The definition of what is and is not a collector vehicle is expanding and changing a lot because really, truly, a vehicle can be collectible if it's limited production, if it's custom, if it's special, but really at the end of the day, if it's something that one of our insureds is passionate about, that they love, it's their baby, then it very likely might be a collector vehicle. Hmm. So give me an example of something that's not. Okay. So a modern minivan probably would not be something that we consider a collector car. No shade to the soccer moms out there, but you know, <laughs> those are typically going to be something that, uh, you know, it's the everyday daily driver. They really don't hold or appreciate in value over time. And they're just mm. kind of run of the mill. I don't know a lot of people that are particularly passionate about their minivans. Well, until you've had one and then it's like, wow, this is so functional. What about Domestic versus import, export, foreign manufacturers, anything special about that? You know, there are a lot of vehicles that are only available in certain countries because the manufacturers did not import them to the U.S. That definitely poses a challenge for a lot of our collectors here in the United States that are interested in obtaining some of those vehicles from Europe, from Asia. The DOI and the uh, DMV do not make it very easy for those collectors to bring those vehicles over. So they have to be not certified, but inspected to whatever the environmental regulations are for vehicles, correct? Is that what you're saying? Totally true. I mean, emissions levels, things like that are very important. Different states have different regulations. I mean, here in California, it's especially difficult to bring some of those vehicles over that weren't initially imported to the U.S. when they were in production. Well, my question is this, is that as the idea of internal combustion becomes old technology. Are there collectible electronic vehicles? Yeah, actually, Haggerty will insure a number of Teslas, for example. So the Model S and the Roadster, two of the earlier editions of the Tesla, those are things that we've had a number of collectors buy not as their everyday daily driver. Sure, they can take it to work occasionally if they want to, but they were really interested in owning one of those first true mm. pure examples of an electric vehicle. Everybody wants to be first. Lauren, tell me the deal with 90s, like 1990s or 2000s, recent kind of history for manufacturing. Um, what makes those considered collectibles? It's a great question. We are writing so many more 90s and newer vehicles now than 
almost even the, the traditional classic cars. We've seen a really big shift in the last, I would even say, five, 10 years where maybe the earlier generations of collectors were trading in their vintage vehicle for their more modern equivalent. Think about it. If you've always been into Porsches or Corvettes or Mustangs, maybe you want to swap out something that's a little bit more difficult to drive. You might smell like gasoline when you get out of the car. They're loud. And, you know, but they don't want to give up being in the car club or having that that thrill of driving such a powerful machine. So they'll trade out the old one for maybe a new Mustang or one of the beautiful new Corvettes, things like that. I oftentimes hear some of our insureds joke that I had to switch out the old for the new because if not, my wife wouldn't ride with me anymore in some of my collector cars. You know, think about that. Some of these vehicles that have had historically a collectible following, it doesn't really matter to, to a guy that loves a Porsche or a Mustang or a Camaro. They're going to love all years, every generation of that vehicle. The more modern ones are safer. They get better gas mileage. They're more comfortable. Man, oh man, just having air conditioning as opposed to some of these classics that didn't have AC, you know, that's a big deal. For these more modern vehicles, we're considering them collectible. And we're writing them on a Haggerty policy when they're not the everyday driver car. They are precious to your client. Listen for words like, oh, this is my baby. Or maybe the car even has a name. So many of these, you know, car guys and gals will name their cars. Or if they say something like, oh, yeah, that's just the car that I take out on a nice day. Those are some of your cues to say, oh, I bet you anything, this is precious. This is something that the insured is really passionate about. So we're writing those because they are precious to the insured. They have a following. They tend to hold their value and or appreciate in value over time. And they're special. They're limited production. Well, it sounds to me the special part is that Haggerty and you yourself take into the consideration of what that customer values, period. You're really under the hood, so to speak, in that person's domain, right, or what they care about. It's very custom in your approach to customer care. Well, think about it. At the end of the day, if a client is passionate about their vehicle, if they're protective of it, it doesn't belong on a regular auto policy. They're being overcharged. The risk is not there. We're able to charge you know, 40% less than a standard auto policy because we know they're not parking it next to the cart rack at Walmart. They're not driving it every single day. On average, I think most of our clients probably drive 1,000, 2,000 miles a year in some of their specialty vehicles. And you can only drive one car at a time, right? We haven't figured out yet how to get behind the wheel of more than one vehicle at a time. So <laughs> they're low risk. They really belong on something like a guaranteed value policy. Okay. Let's talk about commercial. What is Haggerty doing in the commercial realm? Haggerty, you know, surprisingly, I find a lot of people don't even know that Haggerty has a small commercial department. We're really focused on businesses that are geared toward classic cars in one way or another. Whether it's a storage facility, a dealership, a museum, or even a restoration shop. Some of those businesses that their sole focus and their clientele matches up really closely with Haggerty's clientele, those are businesses that we can protect in a very special way with that same guaranteed value that we provide on personal auto. So you say small, does that mean new also? Small commercial, I'm typically referring to something that's a more moderate sized account. Oh. We'll typically see things that are about $100,000 in premium or less 
we're not really finding a lot of these classic car related businesses that would fall into the middle market space. Got it. What makes the difference with Haggerty's products versus anyone else in this? So on our personal lines product, really our guaranteed value is going to be what sets us apart. That means that if one of your insureds wants to insure a vehicle for a specific dollar amount, that's what we insure it for. And if it, something happens to it or there's a total loss, really no questions, we're going to pay out that full dollar amount. We're not going to depreciate it like an actual cash value type policy that we have on our standard autos. There's a lot of things on the commercial side as well that differentiate us. I mean, really trying to make things as easy as humanly possible, being that, you know, this is all we do. We live and breathe in the collector car space. We know that, for example, maybe a restoration shop has a lot of different vehicles coming and going. And because of that, we know, you know, they're not insurance folks. They're, they're out there wrenching on the cars and taking care of these beautiful machines. So we actually have a blanket form for any of the vehicles that are in the shop at any given time so that the shop isn't having to call Haggerty and say, okay, Bob's car just left and we just got this new Ferrari in and this one just left and this one just came in. They don't have time for that. And especially too, if they have maybe one really special, one really high value vehicle that's going to be in the shop for a while, we can raise that blanket limit up just for the period of time that that car is going to be in the shop so that they know they are totally covered for the total value of their customers' vehicles that they're working on at any given time. That's hugely responsive. Huge. Yeah. I mean, oh my gosh. You're, I mean, that that is very customizable, scalable, and applicable to that inventory flux. So tell me this. How would a small town agency that doesn't write a lot of classic car insurance, but wants to write local restoration shop go about, how do they go about connecting with you? You know, one of my favorite ways to prospect some of these commercial shops is to find that one or two enthusiasts, maybe that they already know or already insure. And I always ask, man, you've got a beautiful car. Where did you buy it? Oh, you work with a local dealer. I'd love to tell them that, you know, I met you and, and that you speak so highly of them and your experience buying a car from them using that kind of an intro or man, you know, the work that just was done on your Corvette after that last claim looks spectacular. What shop worked on your car? And, you know, car guys and gals, we love to talk about the hobby and the people that are supportive of us and take care of our vehicles for us. So referrals are definitely the best way to go. And I can guarantee you, if you ask some of these questions to collector car enthusiasts, they would be more than happy to even give you a warm intro to probably some of these shops. So with that personal flavor of being able to connect with people around this culture of automobiles, what has changed in the last two years as work has changed? How has that changed how you integrate or connect with organizations and people? It's a great question. It's, it's kind of funny that even amid COVID, Really, our model, our business, and even the hobby continued to thrive. I mean, think about it. What is a better social distance activity than getting in your favorite car and going for a cruise? Or for some of these groups of friends and people that wanted to be able to do those things and enjoy their cars together like they had even pre-COVID, they were able to get into their cars. They're perfectly social distanced. They have their own little bubble, but they get to go experience something together, move as a group. Fortunately, a lot of car shows are outside cars and coffee, and they're naturally kind of social distanced. But we really found that this hobby stayed alive 
thrived and car people were still out there as safely as humanly possible enjoying their vehicles. What changed in your delivery of the product in this two-year period? Um, other than being in Zoom meetings with all of our fine agents day in and day out, not being able to see each other in person, that's definitely been a struggle. I think we've all We've all felt that, right? A little bit of Zoom fatigue here and there, you know, just having to rely a lot more on technology in order to get the messaging across. We're, we're really hopeful and looking forward to the days that we can be all together again in person. So it almost sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is this industry, this space kind of future-proofed? Walk through a pandemic okay. Is it something that's pretty financially sound? Great question. And yes, that's always kind of been our joke is that, we are so fortunate, so blessed to be in a segment of the industry that's very nearly recession-proof. I mean, even if you look at all the things that were happening in the market, all the uncertainty with elections and uh, the pandemic, a lot of people were still investing in their vehicles because truly cars, motorcycles, those are investments that they can play with. And if you look at even some of the information that we offer on our valuation tool online, you'll see that some of these cars are performing better than gold or the NASDAQ, and they are holding their value and appreciating in a, in a greater way over time than even the stocks. So the last question is, have you always worked on your own cars? You know what? I am proud of what I'm able to accomplish on a car as a uh, petite young lady, but you know what? Other than... Check and changing oil, fuses, tires, things like that. I am not much of a monkey wrench myself. So, no, you know what? I did grow up helping my dad a lot with cars. He was always the kind of guy that wanted to fix things himself, wanted to make sure that, you know, my brother and I understood how things worked. So, we really did. We spent a lot of time in the garage learning about the mechanics and, and electronics that are in our vehicles. Honestly, my mom was the car gal. It wasn't so much my dad. Well, dad was always the one wrenching on the cars, but mom was the one that was passionate about it. She would talk your ear off about her very first car, which was a burnt orange Chevy Vega. Not one of the sexiest vehicles ever produced, but you know, she loved that car and she worked really hard to get it. She would baby that thing, wash it every weekend. And then as she got older, my mom really got into Volkswagen Beetles. She had a number of them over the years. They were always blue. She loved the blue ones. And actually that's what I learned how to drive stick in was one of my mom's Beetles when I was in high school. Thank you very much for sharing that passion and that vision of where you ended up. I always like to find out where the spark came from. You know, what, what drew you to wherever you are? And there's usually some connection in it. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you very much for being here today. Thanks so much, Edwin. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Trusted Advisor Podcast brought to you by Iroquois Group. Iroquois, your trusted advisor for all things insurance. And remember, get out of the office and sell. I'm Edwin K. Morris, and I invite you to join me for the next edition of the Trusted Advisor Podcast.